0: There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the
1: Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grosiger, and we just finished Championship Weekend in the NFL. We have an excited guest today. We have Big Al. Big Al is one half of Rambo's Delco Radio. He's a Philadelphia legend, and it's only appropriate that we'll be here to talk about the upcoming Super Bowl, breaking down the games, and we gave Spencer a day off today, so Spencer the Wizard is off to class, and we have Big Al of Rambo's Delco Radio. If you want to listen to, to uh, Big Al, very simple. www.Rambo'sDelcoRadio.com And you can find Rambo and Big Al, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and many other outlets. So let's get right to it. Two great games. We're headed to the Super Bowl. The first one. We were waiting for an epic challenge of Brady versus Manning, but only one team emerged victorious. The Peyton Mannings, the Denver Broncos, ripped New England 26-16 to to go and proceed to the Big Apple. Big Al, tell us your thoughts on the game, Peyton Manning, and reflect upon... What you know about his history with the Super Bowl?
2: Uh, simply, that was a game I did not expect. To Be honest with you, I kind of had an inside feeling that it was going to be a New England win at the end of the, at least before the game started. Um, Pey- you know, Peyton Manning's—he's been this would be the third time to the show. Second, um, won one, lost one. Um, I I expected a good game, uh, kind of a slobber knocker, of, for for lack of better words. But um, I did not expect a 10-point deficit at the end of the game with New England. I mean, it just didn't seem like New England was even there to play. I don't know uh, what was going on it, since Colorado legalized uh, marijuana. Maybe they, they partook before the game slowed things down for them. I, I couldn't honestly tell you, but it was just – it was not an exciting game to begin with. I was expecting a very exciting game, and, I, and I, I did not see that. I mean, Peyton was on his game. I know a lot of people say Peyton chokes during the uh, offseason, um, but, you know – Ever since he went to the Broncos, they've been the, the team, the team to beat. Unfortunately, I watched them beat my Eagles um, mercilessly in the beginning of the season. Um, but you know, I honestly think now, after seeing this, they have the best chance of winning the Super Bowl uh, this year. Just just the way they're playing and, and the the knowledge that Peyton's bringing with them to to the Super Bowl. You know, being there two times, you can't buy that kind of that kind of knowledge, that kind of background from another player Um, and I know the Broncos love having him I I know it's just the the team loves having him around and I mean how often can you have an offensive coordinator on the field at all times with a guy like Peyton
1: Manning One of the interesting byproducts of the game we have a lot of fans from Creighton and Omaha, Nebraska Omaha has actually the city of Omaha has got $10 million in benefits from the repeated use of Omaha in the play calling and Peyton Manning gives eight hundred dollars every time he says Omaha. So he said Omaha thirty one times yesterday. Another interesting byproduct of the game on the controversial side. Bill Belichick certainly is one to keep things close to the best to the vest. He came out after the game and said that Wesley Walker had a dirty hit on Akib Talib, knocking him out, causing him a knee injury, yet undisclosed. Next week of Bruce's Sports talk, we'll have some details of that injury, and we'll, we'll, as we always do, we'll talk about what his injury is, whether or not he'll need surgery, and any rehabilitation. So, we looked at the first game, it was, and the Broncos won, going away, 26-16, to 16, to pass on and move, I shouldn't say pass on, it sounds too final, to, to essentially move on to the Super Bowl, the Outdoor Winter Classic coming up in two weeks.
2: Well, Dr. Bruce, at uh, Rambo's Delco Radio, we cover all things Delco, as Delaware County, Pennsylvania, that stands for. And Delaware County, Pennsylvania is right outside the Philadelphia area, as you know. Um, and huge um, huge Philly sports fans in Delaware County. Um, you, if you go to any stadium during any uh, game, it, there's 80% Delaware County fans sitting there. Um, at rambo's delco radio we are a comedy show all about the area um you know it we do put a warning in the beginning mentioning that we do a lot of jokes little off-color jokes uh language It, it is what it is but it's a podcast it's independent we can do as we wish which makes it nice and you don't have to stick to the mainstream media um and get to listen to maybe something a little bit more enjoyable um like dr grossinger said earlier in the show we can be found at Rambos Delco Radio dot com, on iTunes, on Stitcher dot com, and many other podcasting websites. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. Um, my other partner is Rambo of Rambos Delco Radio. Uh, we have multiple comedians on there, um, some celebrity interviews, and it's, uh, you know, we're growing. We just hit our thirtieth download recently, wow. um, and uh, things are just growing leaps and bounds in, in Delaware County. Like I said, for those people outside the area, it's we call it Little Philly, <laughs> you know. And like I said, any Philadelphia any Philadelphia game you go to, you're seeing 50% Delaware County fans there. So I enjoy the I enjoy the uh, I enjoy the, uh, the prestige of coming on Bruce's Sports Dog and getting to talk about it here on the great station of VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Well, that is a great situation. Also, for those of you within the sound of our voice, which is everywhere, and most importantly, within the driving distance of our two offices in Pennsylvania and Delaware, you'll see Big Al, who doubles as our business manager, our limo driver, our bouncer, and everything else here at Grocery Paint Specialist. So you get the expert sports expertise of Big Al while having your spine surgery at the same time. It's amazing. So now let's roll right into the second part of the segment. We'll talk about a truly exciting classic game. Seahawks, 49ers. I happened to be watching the game right outside of San Francisco. With some rabid Niners fans. And the end of the game tore their heart out. It was a situation where Colin Kaepernick drove down from the 20-yard line down to the 18. First down. 22 seconds left. Two full timeouts. And everything was in place for an amazing victory to unseat the Seattle Seahawks. He went back, he passed to the end zone, and there he was. Richard Sermon was there to tip the ball to a linebacker who then intercepted the the ball to end the game. And Richard Sermon then went on to basically, for lack of a better word, showboat. He was calling Michael Traptree a mediocre receiver. I don't think I've seen something since Muhammad Ali, where he was, you know, or uh, Charles Barkley, what he calls the other person a knucklehead. Just, just a, a lot of cursing. Aaron, a, Andrew, Aaron, a Andrews. Try to say that while you're whistling crackers. Maybe I was looking at a picture of her. That's why I was stuttering. In any event, she was so floored by the fact that he was cursing showing total disrespect, getting a taunting penalty. When you win a game, be graceful. Show respect for your opponent. When you lose a game, it's a different story. But in this case, he really rubbed salt into the wounds. I don't think the Richard Serbitt recalls that they are in the same division and that San Francisco will be back and will remember this insulting and disrespectful diatribe. So, you know, for, for the Colin Kaepernick fans, this was a chance for him to, again, get to the Super Bowl, to bring the Niners there, and they they lost at the very end. heartbreaking loss for the Niners. heartbreaking loss for the Niners fans. Big Al, tell us your view of that second game.
2: Well, that second game is what I expected to see in the slobber knocker, like I said earlier. Um, I mean, the Seattle fan, it is deafening. Even as a person watching it on TV, I actually had to turn the TV down just to hear it with all the screaming in the background. So that, that uh, 12th guy is definitely part of the game, but I mean, it was a back-and-forth game. It was very physical. There's a lot of pushing and shoving, and the kind of game you you, you let go, uh, you like to see in an NFC Championship game. Um, uh, it ended how I expected it, the last second, because that's what happened. It went down to the last 22 seconds, like you just said, and but like you said, Shermer, you know that that was unnecessary, uncalled for. You take um, you take in the game and you bastardize it that way by doing something like that. And I, and I don't and I don't agree with anything he did. And and anybody who does is out of their mind. And 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 he should be fined at the very least um, for what he did. And like I said, if this was on the field, that could have been a loss that could have hurt them and turned the whole game around. But because it wasn't, um, you know. It, something needs to happen to teach them that you need to bring the the prestige back to the game that that was taken away from him when that when those actions occurred i i I just find it sickening and unnecessary and i think that's the biggest word unnecessary uh to talk to taunt and curse and even even a person who's announcing who's sitting there listening and and shocked and awed you know that's got to be pretty bad because they've seen a lot in in their many years of announcing and for something like that to happen is, is outrageous, um, but it did. Ha- it did end the way I expected. 20, Twenty-two seconds left in the game. I mean, I didn't think Kaepernick was going to turn the game, uh, turn the ball over the way he did. But you know, it was one of those things you couldn't control. It, get t- it got tipped and fell into the right hand at the right time. But uh, you know, it's going to be a physical Super Bowl, I believe, between Seahawks and Broncos. But if I had to put money on the game, I would definitely have to put my money on the Broncos just because of the experience factor that they bring to the game. Um, How do you feel about it, Dr. Bruce?
1: Well, I know everybody's hanging with bated breath waiting for that. And the good news, Big Al, we're going to roll this into another segment. There's so much to talk about uh, with respect to the background of the game, New York City, outdoor Super Bowl. We're we're going to break down. uh, Certainly, we're going to talk about... um, The odds of the game, how would people, obviously we we don't bet here and I always teach my my son Spencer uh, not to bet on games, I do that by example, but nonetheless most of the country uh, will be uh, at least having a gentleman's wager on the game and also talking a lot about Super Bowl pools for everything to, uh, that you can imagine so it's really fun, it's really a national holiday, Super Bowl Sunday is so stay with us, we'll be back
0: Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist, serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com.
2: Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you.
0: Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportstoc.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the next segment of Bruce's Sports Doc. We're all rocked up here getting ready for the biggest party on the planet, Super Bowl Sunday. We're here with Big Al from Rambo's Delco Radio, rambosdelcoradio.com, and we're breaking down the Super Bowl. We, We did a little teaser where we gave you a little, where Al gave you his prediction of the Super Bowl, but we want to get down a little more deep into what's going on, so number one Al, let's just talk about the Denver Broncos, what you feel to be their strengths and weaknesses and then um, I'll give you my opinions, and after that we'll move over to the Seattle Seahawks representing the NFC in the Super Bowl at the Outdoor Center, Meadowlands Big Apple Otherwise known as Little Apple, which is called New Jersey. So let's talk about your view of the Denver Broncos.
2: Um, some of their biggest strength is, of course, Peyton Manning. Um, the other biggest strength is Peyton Manning's experience in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think I mentioned that already. Um, and they, they're just—they're clicking. And that—in momentum—is everything going into any game, especially the Super Bowl. Um, I, like I said, they have all the right tools. They have a strong defense. They have a very strong offense. They have one the best quarterback who can change up any play in the middle of the game. He, he can throw any audible in there and make the the right decision at the right time. Um, I think the only weakness right now they have is being too full of themselves and going in there and thinking this is going to be an easy ride. But I'm not saying that's what they think, but that could happen because the way they're they're clicking and rolling and you know when you roll over um, an AFC championship, a team like New England, especially a team with Tom Brady and Belichick on there who tend to give Peyton Manning a lot of troubles in the past and him to beat them by 10 points um, that give, give, boasts a lot of confidence for a guy like Peyton Manning
1: Well, certainly Denver's going to be formidable Peyton is the man My, my big concern, potential weakness is the Seattle defense getting to Peyton Manning Peyton Manning is not mobile. He didn't get touched in that game against New England. If Seattle could put together a few blitz packages, knock them down, injure them in any way, that could totally turn the tide. That could win the game for it. And we know with, with guys like Sherman, Earl Thomas, these guys are not only great shutdown corners and safeties, Earl Thomas is great at blitzing. And if he comes in on the blind side one time, could change the whole complexion of the game. Let's look now at the Seattle Seahawks. You've got Pete Carroll as the coach, former USC uh, coach. He's got brings a lot of enthusiasm. It really is a college mentality there in Seattle with the twelfth man. And let's look at Russell Wilson. Essentially, when Russell came out. They have about 15 different parameters for quarterbacks. And he scored 14 out of the 15 of them. Much like Drew Brees, the only one he doesn't have is height. He's a shade under six foot. In terms of mobility, decision-making, intelligence. Being an, unlike Richard Sherman, a very articulate, well-spoken, classy individual. Russell Wilson has all of that. And he also has speed to burn. So you've got the Seahawks. Ed, you certainly have Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is a guy who really came from a tough background. He grew up in Oakland. I, I met somebody who grew up with uh, Marshawn. Marshawn's high school w- was, was such a tough place. They literally had bars on the windows at his school in Oakland. And he came up the hard way. He w- he was excellent when drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Somehow the Bills let him get away, and this guy is a true workhorse. We got to look at Lynch as one of the true strengths of the Seahawks, and if he can run, eat up the clock, we have to look at that as a big strength of the Seahawks.
2: I agree. I mean, Russell Wilson, one of their greatest weapons out there. I mean, his his weakness would be his uh, if they shut him down. If they like like the uh, Niners did against the Panthers when they 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 shut um they shut him down they kept him from running around and scrambling but he needs to do that it's what he needs to win the game because that's the kind of quarterback he is that but he's also an intelligent quarterback and he can he can pick apart a a defense if need be but the Broncos being a strong defense uh, that's not going to be an easy task to take um Marshawn Lynch is is a great running back I mean just watching him play is amazing uh in Philly here we have we get to watch LaShawn McCoy and they are two different types uh of running backs in my eye um but they're both very good at what they do and a very formal person to have on the field uh the, the the Seahawks defense is is scary at best they are scary and they're young and they are strong and they are anxious, and they want to go, and they want to show everybody that they have something to prove, and they're going to prove it to, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, I think.
1: One of the interesting byproducts of this Super Bowl is the fact that this is going to be outdoors. It's going to be held at the Meadowlands. Right now, obviously, uh, we have to look at uh, probably at the Farmer's Almanac or look at uh, Punxsutawney filth who's our uh, our local legend on Groundhog's Day. But they're predicting mid-30s, chance of some precipitation And I guess the question is, how is it going to affect the game? And also, I know we're in New York. Luckily, it's a very exciting game. People will pay money to see... So just to paraphrase... A lot of corporate sponsors A lot of people go to these games Expect warm weather It's a big party For people to go out Especially people from the west coast And the southern part of the country To pay 3000 4000 5000 We know that Denver fans travel well We know Seattle Is a very rabid spot You know How many people in Seattle There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, baristas in Seattle The home of Starbucks how many people are traveling to New York to pay three to $5,000? I don't know. And most interesting, how many corporate sponsors are going to be paying big dollars to to send their VIP clients to sit out in freezing-rated sleep and freeze their butts off to watch the Super Bowl? Roger Goodell, in a ceremonial way, saying that he'll be sitting outdoors. But that's much like... Uh, President George Bush going to a Mac machine. I think he did that once as a photo op. So you're not going to. They're already having misgivings about this outdoor game. <laughs> Roger Goodell's already saying there's no plans for another outdoor game. This might be one or done. This is really repaying the New York, the New York Jets, the New York Giants <laughs> for building that new stadium, pumping that money in, and it's basically a payback from the NFL to the to all of the corporate giants who are, who are headquartered in New York. But So, Big Al, tell us, what do you think about an outdoor game? What are your thoughts about an outdoor Super Bowl?
2: Hey, personally, I think they just just shut up and play the game. That's how I feel about it. They play all season long outdoors, depending on what city they're in. Um, But just because you're paying – and listen, you're going to hear whining and moaning from the losing team no matter what happens at this point – um, if if it does, if somebody slips or if something just plays in that's uncontrollable due to the weather, you're going to hear about that. Or there's somebody's not going to be ready. But if you're tough enough to make it through the championship games, like you are, I, I don't care where you are, you sh- you should be able to play in Siberia and not have to complain about it. Because you know what, both teams are playing on the same field at the same time. It's no different. You know, uh, the Eagles played in the snowball against Detroit, and Detroit could have thrown a lot of you know, guff into it saying that we weren't ready to play in, in, in a foot of snow, but they didn't. They, you know, they lost the game. Uh, we, for no other better word, but get gathered traction better than they did um, and won the game. So if, if there's a foot of snow out there, you just play that game because both, both teams are playing in a foot of snow, not just one, but both. So... I I can understand people who, you know, the corporation's not wanting to do. They want to have it in a nicer place, a southern place, and a more warm warm atmosphere, more of a party atmosphere. And technically, the New York Stadium is, like you said, in New Jersey, which isn't known for partying atmosphere. Um, But it is what it is. And if you want that championship ring, you you play where you have
1: to play. Well, um, I think that we have done a nice job of – Wetting your appetite, giving you a preview. All we need now is uh, some cocktail frankfurters, some cheesesteaks, some soft pretzels, and big, we're going to get some thick crust New York pizza. Really excited. We have a, uh, a special guest coming up in the next, next segment. Forber, all-pro linebacker from the Philadelphia Eagles, Seth Joyner, is going to be joining us for an interview, and he's going to be talking about football postseason football, his view of the Eagles going into the new year and then we're going to finish up with always our surprise a nice segment on sports medicine to be both entertaining and hopefully educational we want to thank our guest today Big Al of Rambo'sDelcoRadio.com we want to thank all the listeners, we want to thank Jeff Spinard, the president of Voice America, we want to thank Ray Ellis, our esteemed sports director from the Valley of the Sun And again, we're halfway through the show. We've got two more segments. Stay there.
3: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist, serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com.
1: internet flagship station for sports.
0: Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at BruceThesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're on location at the Wells Fargo Center. We just saw one of the most incredible shooting displays in South Philadelphia history. I'm talking pros, college, what have you. We saw the Creighton Blue Jays annihilate the Villanova Wildcats. Final score, Creighton 96, Villanova 68 at home in front of a stunned crowd. Spencer, you're our resident expert on the Missouri Valley Conference. Now, Creighton is part of the Big East, and they weren't expecting the secret weapon, Ethan Raggi.
3: Well, it's kind of funny because if Villanova would have looked at Creighton, they would see that they've had a three-point marksman. Uh, that's been uh, residing in Omaha now four years in Ethan Roggi, And uh, coming from Ethan, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, uh, his mom was actually a, a collegiate basketball player herself, and she actually told Ethan up until the point that he was 15 years old, Ethan Roggi never shot a three-pointer. And that's because even though Ethan was was about to be 6'8", as he is now, he said that uh, – his mom said that um, – she didn't want Ethan ruining his form. And that's why he shot all two-point baskets because he wasn't strong enough until he was a freshman in high school to really shoot from beyond the arc like that. And you look at Ethan's stroke, and uh, he, it's machine-like out there. I mean, Ethan Raggi today was 9 of 14 from 3, but his first seven shots he connected on, it was incredible. Creighton, in total were winning 27, I believe, to six. And Creighton, their first 27 points were all threes and Ethan hit seven of them. And, and some of the threes he was sitting were beyond NBA range. And it's just incredible if someone has enough, uh, uh, while playing basketball, if you ever shoot an NBA 3 for a regular guy, it's tough to even get the ball to the basket. And, And usually when you get it there, you're hoisting it, you're kind of throwing it at the basket a little bit. And it's hard to really generate how long you have to throw the ball when you're shooting that. And for Ethan Raggi, I mean, he's six foot eight. Uh, he's just an athletic specimen how he could jump and how he could shoot the ball because he, he has perfect calculation of how far he has to throw it each time. And uh, for Villanova, they came out and they let Ethan Raggi have airspace. And when you let him have just a little bit of airspace, even if you could test late, it's it's a done deal. He's hitting the three every summer. Ethan Raghi shooting threes every waking moment. In fact, the guy doesn't shoot two-point baskets in most games he plays. So... For Ragi tonight, it was just such a uh, great performance by him on the national scale. And while everyone worries about Doug McDermott, tonight the supporting cast was absolutely fantastic. Jehens Manigat, the Canadian Red Bull, had himself a night as well. Of course, it was overshadowed by Ethan's heroics, but Manigat had 19. And the Jays went into the Wells Fargo Center in South Philadelphia and really made a statement to the nation. I mean, after the Jays lost on Saturday night to a Providence team that is a mediocre and unranked Big East team, Creighton now is 5-1, is and one, or excuse me, 6-1 and one in the new conference, and they're in first place um, in the Big East. And they're a team really to be reckoned with. And, uh, Bruce, I mean, when you were watching the threes go in... I mean, if, if you're Villanova, what can you do to stop that? And just talk about how spectacular the display was in person, just seeing someone like that, just unconscious uh, like that from beyond the arc.
1: Well, it was a display of perfection. Just the way the ball would come off his hand. Perfect spin, perfect arc, perfection. And even... To match that would be the passing. We, we just watched the replays after the game and they would throw it into Doug McDermott underneath. He would kick it out perfectly. Uh, Austin Chapman, Jahans Managat, tremendous passing. The ball movement tonight and the passing was precise and the laser precision. You've really seen an eye into the potential of Creighton. When they're on their game, they can stay with anybody. And and, and Villanova made a run. And we kind of forget that. They made a 22-2 to run. They caught the lead to 13 points. And then, primarily, Johans Manigat just poured it on in the second half. And Doug poured it on. Will Artino, strong on the boards. Amazing rebounding by the guards. Great boxing. And it was just a team effort. And it's amazing how that's the way it is you know with momentum how you could lose to a mediocre providence team they shot four for 19 from threes and tonight they set a record of 21 three-pointers this is the most three-pointers in big east history and we're talking a lot of good teams so we're just stunned here and we devoted segments obviously to nfl but but this as far as our headline had to preempt everything
3: You know, Villanova, it's worth noting, Villanova plays a style where they love to get up and down. They love to shoot the ball. They love to drive and penetrate. They're a very aggressive, offensive-minded team, and they have a lot of athleticism on defense, especially inside. But, but they really had trouble guarding all the Jays in transition. And the way Creighton spreads the floor, I mean, when you have Ethan Raggi, I mean, he's a guy that can hurt you from 28 feet out. And he's a, he's the tallest guy in their lineup. It, it's pretty incredible. Same with Doug McDermott. Each person in, in their lineup can shoot a three ball, and you cannot leave open. It's worth noting today that redshirt of freshman Isaiah Zierden, he really was an unsung hero of the game tonight for the Jays as he had um, two three-pointers in the first half. I mean, the Jays tonight shot 21 three-point baskets. It was a display unlike like anything I've ever seen. They were getting the ball. They were open. And, and the Jays just looked so comfortable and confident shooting. It was kind of like a, a really a... Uh, a warm up for the Jays and that talks and Villanova's defense definitely needs to tighten up you need to make the Jays a driving team and make them hit contested floaters inside and just chase them off the line make them pump fake and drive and that's how you beat them Providence also laid out a blueprint for how to beat the Jays too because they held the ball on offense and they would only shoot it in the last 10 seconds of the shot clock and they wanted to make it a low scoring game so each time Creighton had the ball um, the time of possession if you're going to calculate that in basketball Providence just held the ball the entire time and it was frustrating for Creighton because they could never get possessions and today I bet they had double the possessions that they had against the Friars so it was a smart game plan by Providence the other night to kind of play keep away from Creighton and that but tonight against Villanova it was like they were let out of jail because Nova would go down the lane and they would shoot the ball for like 15 seconds left on the shot clock and then make or Miss. Creighton's going to have double the possessions and double the amount of shots, and then they're going to get in a tremendous rhythm. And on the fast break, you know, when you play fast break basketball, Dad, Or, Bruce, I could call you more formally. When you play um, fast-break basketball, when you have a a three-pointer on a break, you're not really thinking as much, right? You're running down the floor. It's all about momentum. It's all about ball movement and passing when you're in transition. But when you're in a stagnant half-court game, it's tough to get in a flow and feel the freedom. But when everybody's moving, when it's all chaos, you're not really thinking as much. It's all instinct. So talk about kind of when you, Bruce, you've had um, experience playing basketball, a transition three compared to kind of a stingy half-court game where you're a little more hesitant to maybe force a bad shot.
1: What you're talking about is when a shooter, shooter's hot, uh, a shooter like Roggy he would run to a spot on the floor. So if you watch these plays in slow motion, it wasn't like he was just waiting for the shot. He would run. He would get to his spot. Got he would set picks. I mean, so Roggie set a lot of good picks tonight. A lot. Of, he, he slid off the picks and, and slid open, and he was mobile. And um, you know, w- w- one one comment I I was I was just watching Jay Wright's post game conference. He said he's never coached against a game like that. He's never been in a game where the opponent literally didn't miss a shot, and. He's seen Creighton on tape, be very impressive. He's seen him on tape, but he's never seen him in person like that. And he just has to, to give the credit to Creighton and Jay Wright. We interviewed last year. Um, like to think he's a friend of the show. Of, we're actually big Villanova fans, but you know Creighton is certainly um, your favorite team, Spencer. And and Villanova has been my team for a while. But I was just um, I was just in in awe. Of the way the team played in all aspects of the game, and you know it's it's a team led by Doug McDermott, the senior. Grant Gibbs is, is is sidelined with a pretty ugly looking knee injury. We saw his brace um, uh, r- really really looked looked bad, and it's unclear whether he'll play again uh, in the collegiate uh, ranks for Creighton.
3: Yeah. It's, it's funny because Enjanike was such a great player down low for Creighton. He really anchored the paint. But now without Enjanike, all the guards are, need to rebound more. There's more urgency there, especially with Ethan Raggi being your five-man. And it's funny, you know, in this brand of basketball, it's a pretty guard-oriented game when you get to the collegiate ranks. And you see a lot of teams – a lot of teams have trouble. There's there's really not like a Shaquille O'Neal in college basketball, someone who's dominating the paint, and that's where to exploit Creighton is down low. And it's funny, you mostly have guard penetration, you don't have a lot of post ups, and Creighton's defense, the way they attacked the boards tonight was really impressive. I mean, all their guards, Devin Brooks had five boards, also Chapman four boards and ten assists tonight. Um, a lot of those assists came to even Raggi when he was 30 feet out. But still, I mean, Creighton uh, is just such an unselfish team. And really their intelligence at basketball IQ to know the, to feed the hot hand really makes them a special team. Uh, not an ounce of selfishness. And uh, and that, that teamwork and that uh, chemistry passing the ball – Uh, really can create some special things and records to happen instead of just um, holding the basketball down. So um, a heck of a night at the the, uh, Wells Fargo Center, uh, an incredible shooting display, something I've never seen, and you were just sitting in your seat and all these trees were just pouring in and you well, every time Raggy went up to shoot the whole crowd uh, the Villanova student section would all gasp and and know the fate of what was about to happen and uh it was amazing it was like Babe Ruth calling a shot out there uh you just knew when Raggy got it, it no matter how far it was when you saw him go up into that shooting motion you knew that rain would fall and uh 21 threes later the Creighton Jays are now first place in the Big East, an emphatic 28 point win. So that was a lot of fun going over the basketball game. When you get back, we're going to have some more Bruce the Sports stock coming up next.
0: Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportstalk.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the
1: Wizard. We're pleased to have a very special guest today. From Omaha, Nebraska, we have Doug McDermott on the line. How you doing tonight, Doug? Doing pretty good, guys. It's a beautiful
4: night in Omaha. How you guys doing?
3: We're doing pretty well. Uh, we're just here in Philadelphia, and the, you know the weather's pretty great. But uh, you know, Doug, it's uh, it's an honor to have a uh, All-American on the show. He was second in scoring this year, averaging 23 points, and he was a uh, he's a two-time Naismith Award winner. So uh, we're pretty happy to have Doug on the show. So um, so first question for you, Doug, is that let's start off um, early in your life. Let's let's go back to high school in Ames, Iowa. And uh, you played basketball, actually, with Harrison Barnes. And uh, what most people don't know about your road to stardom is that you weren't even the best player on your high school team. Talk about the notoriety that Harrison got, and did it motivate you to become just as polarizing a figure in college basketball?
4: Yeah, no doubt. Um, Playing with Harrison was really good for me because I kind of – uh, I was under the radar a little bit, and we we're still getting a lot of attention, so it kind of prepared me for college, and I feel like Harrison was a really good role model for me because I saw how hard he worked and how much he's accomplished uh, so far, and uh, it's, it's, great to, it's great to see, and it's just extra motivation for me because I know we come from the same place, and uh, you know, anything's possible, so I've accomplished a lot, but there's still a lot more I obviously want to accomplish.
3: You you made two jumps um, between your high school between your senior year of high school and your freshman year um, at at Creighton University. Um, your your father even was skeptical to put you on the Iowa State um, when he coached there. So talk about what exactly you did basketball wise to improve your game into being an All American superstar. Did you scrimmage a lot? Did you put up a lot of shots on the on the I make basketball machine? Talk about the day in and day out grind that that really took you to the next level. Yeah,
4: you know, I came into college with not a lot of expectations. Uh, I wasn't really even really expecting to play a bunch of the freshmen just because we had so many guys. And then we got a few injuries um, with Ethan Reige and Casey Harriman. Uh, so I started to work harder. I mean, I, I, I was working hard regardless, but I knew I had to even step up more once I saw those guys go down. So I knew how to work hard and improve in different areas and kind of went into the season with an open mind, and I, I played well early in the season, and that confidence has kind of been with me ever since.
3: Gotcha. Um, You happen to play with two guys on on this uh, current Creighton roster um, that are from the state of Iowa with Will Artino, who you played AAU basketball with. And then you mentioned that your father and you knew about Grant Gibbs because you went to Northern Iowa basketball camp. Talk about the relationship that you made with these two individuals as uh, as youngsters and how that's translated into your comfort um, playing basketball with them and being with them every day.
4: Yeah, uh it's it's huge. I mean, because um, we all started from the same place and we've known each other for so long. I've known Grant pretty much ever since I was really young. And Will, I knew more towards my end of years of high school. So I was really comfortable with both of them. And we've all kind of developed. Um, we were kind of all under the radar guys. And uh, we feel like it's really cool that we've been able to accomplish some special things at Creighton while all the other schools that didn't think we were good enough to play for even in the state of Iowa, are watching us. So we, uh, we take a lot of pride in that, and uh, we're going to continue to build that.
3: So you kind of had a chip on your shoulder, you're saying, because a lot of schools in the state of Iowa, like the University of Iowa and Iowa State, a lot of growing up, a lot of people told you you couldn't play for those programs. So going back to play them, as Creighton has in the Big Ten, um, just talk about those journeys back to Iowa and your motivation to try to beat those teams
4: yeah uh just a lot of motivation you know we play we played out of state my freshman year fell we fell short uh but me me and i played well and uh caleb corver who was an Iowa at the time played really well too so that was really special and then we scrimmage iowa last year before the season and uh played well against them every single one of us and then uh we obviously go to drake in northern iowa uh each year and um we lost both. We lost both games last year, but um, it still doesn't matter too much because of the way we finished. And uh, I mean, that obviously, felt special. So uh, it's great going back to the state of Iowa, knowing we got so much support from fans from our high school towns. Uh, but it just feels even better uh, being able to perform at a good level, so people know that uh, that we're legit.
3: And even though you lost in Iowa, you still took uh, care of home serve at CenturyLink Center and won the Valley. Um. So, yep. so right, uh, a question that I'm pretty curious about, and uh, it, this is a question that a lot of Creighton people will know. Um, Grant Gibbs is known as probably the greatest post-feeder in Blue Jay history. In sixth grade, yep. um, when you knew him as a kid, did he ever play like Nick Young? Was he ever a jacker, or was he always that post-feeder, always like a pass-first point yeah. guard? I, I, wanted, I was curious about that.
4: Yeah, he was honestly always a always a really unselfish player I wouldn't say he uh, was at the role he played for us now I mean he was when you're young you want to get your shots up and you're having fun but once you kind of mature and you're in college and you're asked to uh, play a different role to win uh, your, your, your role definitely changes so when I was younger, Grant, uh, he shot it a little better, <laughs> but he's gone through he's gone through so many injuries where he hasn't been able to be on the floor as much to work on his game. So he's had to kind of adapt to that and be able to impact the games in different ways.
3: Yeah, it's funny because even I play like Grant Gibbs and pick up basketball, and a lot of people are saying, Why aren't you looking for your shot? Or that's not a sexy play right there. But, you know, he's just yeah. a guy that gets the job done, and it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how a guy can... you
4: just
3: can... can't shoot. Maybe you just can't shoot, Spencer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe I'll take you one-on-one, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, <Yeah>. Doug. <laughs> Little jabs here on Bruce the Sports Stock. Again, we're here with Doug McDermott speaking to us from Omaha. And uh, speaking of grade school, uh, something that I don't have that you have is you have an older brother in Nick McDermott. Did you guys used to compete out in the backyard like the hardball brothers or like typical brothers? Did you used to go at it with Nick McDermott?
4: Yeah, we uh, we did growing up when I was younger, and then right when I got to high school, that all kind of changed because I started to become taller, and better. So he <laughs> kind of shied
1: away. Oh wow! More. So I can relate know, to that.
4: He, he
1: <laughs> my yeah, son doesn't play. You know, I up. I try to d up my son, and uh, I kind of think I'm in lead too. So he's lost interest in playing with me as well. <laughs> no, nah, you won't yeah. take me.
4: <laughs> no, I but. But Nick Nick, uh, Nick gave up basketball after his sophomore year of high school uh, and he started to focus on golf. And uh, he can still beat my butt there, so he's at least had that for
3: him. So he played on the high school golf team?
4: Yep, yep. And he ended up playing in college at Northern Iowa for a couple of years and just decided that he didn't want to put in as much time and he wasn't enjoying golf as much, so he wanted to play it more for fun than competitively.
3: Gotcha. So uh, so so he pretty much took advantage of you in the years when he could and then he and then he stopped to make it. All right. Um you know, a, a pretty inside question, you know, exclusive question I want to ask you is uh, does Teresa and Sid ever get annoyed by uh, by Blue Jay basketball talk at the dinner table? How much X's and O's is going on between your brother, um, your dad who is Coach <laughs> Mac and yourself? Uh we we
4: try to not talk about basketball as much, I mean, there's still going to be a little. There's still going to be some basketball talk. You know, it's never going. That's never going to change just because we've grown up all of our life talking about basketball. So she, uh, she does. No, she knows nothing about basketball, anyways. So it's not too annoying for her. She grew up in a wrestling family, so it wasn't. She just kind of sits there and kind of soaks it in, and then tries to change the subject every once in a while.
3: <laughs> um. So um. Uh, we kind of want to pick your brain a little bit here. Uh, when, when we watch you play every time in person, you always give off this calm demeanor on the court. You never seem to let your emotions get the best of you. Um, talk about where that mm-hmm. might stem from, uh, your calm demeanor on the basketball court. Uh,
4: you know, I mean, I just try to keep even, kind of even cool, you know, just not try not try and get too fired up or not try to get too um, too low. You know, it's just kind of the way I like to play because do a lot of thinking when I play and if I get too hyper or too down about something it's just going to screw up my performance so I try and stay real calm and just kind of let the game come to me and uh, I feel like I have an advantage that way against my opponents.
3: So so you're not quote-unquote playing angry like coach Marshall would say?
4: No no definitely not definitely not playing angry
3: I'm just I'm playing to have fun and um, but when you're in the low block, and getting rebounds. I mean, th- th- there's some grind work that you do, but you also show the finesse part of the game. So, um, do you think that? Do you think that just over practicing makes you that calm? Like you bust it in practice, so then you're confident because you practice harder than everyone else.
4: Yeah, yeah, I feel like that. That really does make sense. You know, I, I, I try and work as hard as I can every offseason, every practice. Try and just kind of leave it all out there, and then. If I do that, it's, it's going to show in the games and uh, I'm not going to have to be so worried about um, regretting anything for, from a pe- preparation standpoint. So just try and continue to work hard every single day and uh, hopefully it fades off. And uh, so far it has, so I just got to keep uh, keep doing what I've been doing and uh, things will uh, things will play itself out.
1: One thing, Doug, I uh, we had the pleasure of having you come to our city, to Philadelphia, and you played a game against Cincinnati, which was really an exciting game. And one thing I noticed about both games, the Cincinnati and the Duke game, when you're at the free throw, throw line, uh, it's all – I can't talk very well. But uh, <laughs> sorry, that's why I let him do most of the talking. But, but when you're at the line, it seems like you never miss. And when I watch the NBA, it's like I'm watching playoff games now. I see guys miss, you know. I Zach see Zach Randolph. I see Zach Randolph going go like for 2. So – we wonder yeah. how you're you're you almost hit every free throw, so well, give us a little insight about how when you're up there you just know you're making it and you're really carrying the weight of your team and you, and you make every free throw so that's something I really observed it, it, talk a little bit about that
4: uh you know it's just it's a mental approach you know uh you see guys get real rattled at the free throw line and you know I just look at it as you know this is these are free points, so I gotta take advantage of them and just try to step up there with a really calm mindset and never change my routine. Uh, cause once you start messing with your shot or your routine and start to think about it, uh, your free throw percentage just goes down. So at the NC tournament, I really like those, I guess I really like those silly hoops. I felt really comfortable. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just, I felt real calm up there. And, uh, unfortunately we couldn't pull it off against Duke. Um, but you know, I felt like, uh, I feel like if we could have made some more shots there um, in the second half, we could have given ourselves a chance. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a great, great trip to Philly, and my free throw is definitely a, a kind of the story, you know, I didn't miss.
3: Yeah. Um, you, you talked about, like, um, well, you won the Valley a couple of times. You won the Valley Championship. But against Duke, you played at ten thirty. 30 Was that, like, too late of a start, really? Like, how did that late start, like, impact yeah. you guys?
4: Yeah, it's uh that was a little too late uh I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of that just because um you kind of to you have to sit around all day and wait for it you know it's it's kind of depressing you just want to play the game like you're especially when you're playing a team like Duke uh it's just like everyone on our team you know grew up watching them and wants to beat them so bad but we have to wait till 1030 at night so if we could have played that game around noon or one we would have been much more fired up. And it was everyone just couldn't, you know, we couldn't wait, and uh, we had to wait like too long. But uh, can't can't argue with NCAA. Um, they got to do it for TV purposes, and uh, so
1: you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I guess it's flattering that they put you on. That they usually put the most exciting game on at the end. That's when they have the most viewers, and they do it all by statistics. We were surprised because usually those games on Sunday are usually afternoon games. They don't usually run them into prime time, but obviously the yeah. Duke Creighton was really a, was a great game. You you, you know I, I looked at the ratings. You guys had a, you guys had a ton of ratings. We were we were really thrilled yeah. about it. But I mean I guess I'll, I'll make an analogy. You know we, we were watching Golden State, and you know Stephen Curry had a great game, and then just the last game it just it just was it just wasn't on, but yet he's got a. Get up and play again, and so, I mean, even the the best players, you know, it seemed like your whole team was was just not on. Like like it's okay to one or two guys, and um yep. and I think Duke. I also watched Duke's defense, and they're they're really uh, you hear a lot about their offense, and, and, but their defense must have been interesting to to uh, to, yeah. to play. Yeah, yeah, it
4: really is. You know, they're they're a team where they don't look like they're that athletic, or like you, you feel like yeah we can we can handle these guys offensively we can get by them but once you get out there I mean they're they're taught to really pressure and even if they don't have the best athletes they're still going to bust their butts to try and deny passes uh, and just they work so well together out there and uh, I feel like they got a tough matchup with Louisville uh, yeah. after after we played them uh, I guess they played Michigan State first but I feel like if, if they would have drawn someone else they could have I made it to the final four, but I mean, it was a tough game. It was pretty much to play Duke. I I wish we could have another shot, but um, you only get one chance, so
3: before we segue, I just want to flip it right back to the free throw conversation. Creighton is known for having lights out shooters, and we know Ethan Rogg just a stone cold iceman from beyond the arc. Do you guys like have? Yeah. Like, do you guys have a Creighton like a basketball machine that rebounds for you and can throw balls out like like an I make machine? I'm just curious how you guys yeah. put up that many shots.
4: Yeah, uh, we do have a we. Have a... They have like a gun. I think like every school has them. But ours is pretty old. You can tell it's you can tell it's been through quite a few shooters. Um, <laughs> the cool,
3: so it's uh, the
0: we, we've
4: definitely
3: worn it out. Uh you and, good? And and that's and that's history there of with the Corver brothers, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so, Exactly. So go so from, from the Missouri Valley now going to the Big East, talk about your goals for a first impression and uh, how much it means to you to kind of set that first impression for your last year at Creighton.
4: You know, I think uh, I'm really excited. You know, the new conference is really intriguing, and uh, we're looking forward to be on the East Coast more. And I think it's kind of a way to jumpstart not only our basketball program but our school just because not a lot of people uh, know, not too many people know about Creighton on the East Coast. So I feel like if we can make a name for ourselves in this first year, it's going to draw in recruits it's going to draw in more students to come to our school and uh i'm really excited about it because I, I really think we can compete and i think we have enough pieces uh to be able to compete so it's going to be really exciting
1: i would in following up on that question i also think it'll be good for you um definitely you know a future nba player and the fact that you'll be able to play madison square garden wells fargo you'll be able to play i guess verizon center and in all these big cities, um, I, I think it'll be great for you to have that experience. You, you've always played in big crowds at home in Omaha. And it's true. Mm-hmm. Like Cre- Creighton is such a good school academically. And, you know, people back east just don't know about it. And it's, it's a great school. And, and you really have a chance to carry the flag and really grow the program. And I think it was um, it was a great move coming back, you know, an unselfish move in looking at, you know, coming back, play your fourth year. Being with your dad, and as I spoke to you, and we spoke privately a few days ago, uh, I think it's a great decision. And, uh, and I and I, just, we just hope you have a, a great year and really enjoy yourself. Yeah,
4: um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait, I really can't. Uh, I mean, it'll be really exciting, you know. I, I thought hard about going to the NBA, but I just felt like it wasn't right. And uh, I feel like uh, the senior year is gonna be really special, so
0: I'm really excited,
4: and I know, uh, I mean. I know you guys are excited to have us on the East Coast a little more, so it should be cool. Uh, we're going to make the most of it, and uh, we're going to we're going to have a lot of
1: fun with it. Well, definitely. You know, we're the biggest Creighton fans here, and uh, we're really excited when you're on the East Coast. Uh, we'll, have some, we'll have some weather, go out and play some golf as we talk about your, you know, I know that's your second favorite sport, but we really appreciate yep. your time tonight, you know, on, a, on an off-season night, a beautiful summer night here in Philly and in Omaha, and we certainly are going to be communicating with you along the way. And uh, we want to thank you so much for having you know having you be on our program at Voice America Sports. You're welcome back anytime. Doug. Anytime, that's right. You're our biggest yeah. star anyway. And uh, you just anytime. have you just have a great night. And thanks for being on the show.
0: Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.